welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Home Efficiency. Hello, clean tech enthusiasts. My name is Scott Cooney, and my company has done energy and water efficiency retrofits for more than 13,000 homes and small businesses, saving our customers more than $3 million a year on their electric and water bills, while also reducing more than 11 million pounds of carbon pollution per year. Would you like to start offering this type of service in your community and do it for a living, make money? You can. Check out homeefficiency.com for more info. We do flat fee consulting to help you get started with our model, training you, giving the inventory, tools, software, and support you'll need. No royalties, no hidden fees, no sneaky add-ons. You can just get started. Ready to work with your hands and make a difference every day? Do it. Go to homeefficiency.com. Check out. This is part two of our interview with Rodney Hooper of RK Equity, talking lithium and EV battery forecasts for Tesla, Volkswagen, China, Europe, the US, and more. We'll jump back to Europe in two ways. One, you mentioned 18.5% next year. This um, year. Or this year, sorry, this, this year. Um, which of course is ahead of 15% US in 2025. But at that point also, I, didn't, I mean, I feel like at this point, you just start hitting that mainstream market more. You just get into that huge steep ramp of the S curve. Uh, so it just, it's hard to see it falling much. And as you bring up, you know, I, I, I think it's often neglected how much cities might start banning combustion vehicles from 20 from 18.5 percent you know onward what's your sort of vision for for like the next couple of years two two or three years in europe so there is a, a little bit of a, a, a sleight of hand because you run out of the credits the super credits this year and and you don't see another step change in the co2 emission limits till 2025 we could see a slight flattening off in sales growth next year that is a risk because you only you don't have to push it until 2025 what could counter that and keep boosting it is obviously a people like vw etc having decided that they want they are now going all in evs and i want to be first (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I think if, you, if you're saying this is the future, then you obviously want to get your market share up. Um, yeah. And if they can get volume production going, I'm seeing some big numbers on estimates on battery pack production and so on, then you could see it going. I, I have around 25 to 30% EV penetration for Europe by 2025 and then 60 to 70 by 2030 on the assumption that it's accepted, the 50% cut is accepted, not the 37.5%. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the how the Osborne effect plays out, not just later in the decade, but at this point. Um, so another big topic for Europe, Volkswagen Power Day. I'm happy that you you put it on the list as a possibility. I was like, for sure, this is, this is really exciting. Uh, 
but also, you know, it was focused on Europe. It was like, it was very strong Europe focus. And that was exciting to see because it was, they really had a, you know, a plan for where they're going to have battery factories, battery production going on. What's your take on it? Am I being overly enthusiastic? Was it, I mean, it's still showing as, I mean, it just matches their overall forecast and plan. So it doesn't show supply of, you know, a hundred percent by 2030 or something, but it just shows that they're on their way from my perspective. But what do yeah, you think? So, so the, the pluses were the 240 gigawatt hours that they want to now have as battery, battery cell capacity and the bi-directional charging I like. Th those are the two things I thought were positive. Outside of that, I thought they should have put a lot of green lighting on the screen, but I heard lots of non-green things being spoken like synthetic graphite, which to me is a big no-no. Hmm. It's needle coke. It's a byproduct of, of fossil fuels that you're using as your main product. And then there's a lot of heating and, and things that go on from there. So I, yeah, I have Howard some talked questions. about that a little bit as well. Yeah. So we've, we've raised that we, we've done a full sort of thing. I, I chatted with um, uh, Jordan Giesegi from the limiting factor. So we, we, we've sort of gone into it in depth, but the point being, that sounds contrary to where everyone else is thinking the industry is going. But again, the question is, did VW put out there all of the things that they feel right now are possible? Because the other thing, of course, is quantum scape. And there's been a lot of hoo-ha about that. It's kind of the moonshot where they believe they can shoot past Tesla by 2025, 2026. I, I'm a, a solid state skeptic. Put me on that. Yeah. I, to my mind, um, I think... Uh, lithium doped, uh, sorry, silicon doped anodes with improvement in the cathode can get you to uh, five, six hundred mile range and and fast charging at a good, reliable cost and safety. So, I think that Tesla will beat solid state to the punch. That's my view, but I could be wrong. Um, so, well, I'm, ha I'm happy we line up on all of those because. <laughs> you know, I had a long piece on the bidirectional charging after uh, several days after the, the other announcements because it uh, it hasn't been something that excited me a lot in the past with small pilot projects, but it looks like Volkswagen's putting a huge weight behind it and looking for for actual you know actual scale on this, which is uh, which is what's exciting because they could really with their you know their volumes and their connections they could actually scale this to be a notable player in the market, especially in Europe. But on the, the what you were saying about quantum scale and others, it, it did seem like they were sort of putting moonshots like on, under their breath on the end. <laughs> and like you said, focusing on the, you know, what they know they can do so that they don't, they don't like overpromise or something. So, so, so they, didn't, they didn't drill into the granular on the battery supply, which for me is a question mark. Um, yeah. I didn't have a problem with saying, you know, LFP for the low range and a bit more manganese and what have you, because... It's not a problem, you know, well, not, not a problem, but if they chose to put a battery cell plant in Czech, in the Czech Republic, you've got European Metal Holdings, it's got a, a, a lithium project there that could potentially scale to say 45, 50,000 tons, and you've got European manganese there. So you would have a lot of your LMNO, you know, uh, in terms of if cathode sort of sorted out for a cell plant, so th that wouldn't wouldn't necessarily, you know, be as much of a challenge, but the synthetic graphite for me was a big question mark. Um, and without stating how they were going to get all of the other components and how the supply was going to work, they kind of 
glossed over that very quickly. So we'll have to wait and see how that Yeah, do you want to out. talk? That's a new topic for me. I mean, I've heard Howard talk about it a little bit, but um, I'm sure it's a new topic for a lot of people. Could you speak a little bit more about that that market and that and that topic? About which market, sir? The synthetic synthetic graphite versus... Yeah, so, so, so the synthetic graphite has roughly five tons of, of CO2 versus... Uh, natural graphite made into high purity spherical, you know, coated high purity spherical graphite to go in the anode. So you've got companies like um, Nouveau Monde and Talga, et cetera, talking about carbon neutral or zero carbon natural graphite. So against a synthetic graphite that has five tons of CO2. So they are, you know, I asked the question about can there be a performance issue, et cetera. So the point is, if you have a localized supply in Europe and Nouveau Monde in Canada for the U.S. market that can produce at the same price a high-quality product that has zero carbon and we're moving to a $100 a ton carbon world and a lot of companies looking to become carbon neutral as a whole, OEMs, whoever, why would you go the fossil fuel feedstock route and use needle coke and make synthetic graphite? Yeah, and you've already said you don't know why, but do you have any theories what's going on there? What they're so, why so they in China? You know, China is an important market for VW, and BTR is located. You know, it's a massive uh, synthetic graphite producer, so they are located there. But mm -hmm. um, you know, at the moment, um, well. You know, you've got different theories about, you know, consistency and quality. But what's happening is the natural graphite players are moving up the curve. Benchmark's got two-thirds natural, one-third synthetic by 2030 versus about 50-50 now. Hmm. So most of the industry is talking about going to natural because it's uh, on an environmental perspective, on a carbon footprint perspective is a lot lower and the quality will do the job you know, these guys said something different. So I, I, I know it's available now, but I, I just, I thought that was you know, odd. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, any other takeaways on the, on the Volkswagen battery plans in Europe? Uh, they didn't really talk much about, I mean, it's very heavy focus on Europe. Any, any thoughts on those different factory locations or the partnership with Northvolt or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, Northvolt's an interesting one, but it, it shows the commitment of how seriously VW is looking to scale up their cell supply. So they're doing the first step. It'll be interesting to see this five, five cathode either under, under already in production or under construction or planned. So there is something coming into Europe. So it'll be interesting to see how they sort of swim upstream to facilitate all the raw materials going into either Northvolt's plants or their own. But it was very encouraging in terms of uh, spinning out and doing their own thing, adding to it, and then, you know, going to Northvolt. So again, they are making the right noises and moves, but they, it's not all the pieces of the puzzle. And then if I recall correctly, they went ahead and took over the first joint venture factory and yes. leaving, leaving and do you see that as a kind of pattern that they would do that they would start off with Northvolt and then take over a factory or you think that was just this instance kind of 
Well, I mean, maybe just in terms of, uh, you know, Northvolt's got its hands filled doing its first plant. Salzgitter is, is, was just a planned one. I think 2024 is the planning on that. So maybe VW is going to look to be more aggressive. Mm -hmm. And uh, final one for me. So we've talked a lot about Tesla and Volkswagen for obvious reasons. Do you, are there any other companies, groups that you want to discuss a little bit? Stellantis and Hyundai Kia are often brought up by readers as sort of interesting, interesting players now. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't see anything concrete on those sides. I mean, I've heard various commentary um, about potential partners, but I, they've stated some very aggressive ambitions. I'll give them that. In terms of market share, they're making some bold statements, but I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing again, a, an airtight supply chain you know, backed, backing those. So it's a wait and see on those, I think. And uh, you know they've had this. You know, at one point there was talk of of them partnering with LG, and now they've had this big hoo-ha over their Ionic uh, recall and all of those battery pack with only a few, you know, going wrong. So again, I think you know, Zach, if you, you look, if anyone was going to make bold and and brazen claims, it would be Elon Musk, and he keeps saying, you know, the machine that makes the machine. This is hard. You've got to do it in pieces. So. I think a lot of people are making a lot of bold claims about ramp-ups and capacity and, and what segments they're going to move into. But yet, on the same time, we're seeing a lot of product recalls. Yeah, I, I have a hard time getting... I've just seen good marketing from Hyundai Kia in the past about <laughs> sort of good good talk and then and good products, but then not much supply. And I'm just concerned about that. You know, I know there's enthusiasm about the kind of the platform they're developing. It looks very good design. But maybe they're just not at the step yet. But I don't know. I get. I, mean, if, I get... You, if you if you think about it, if you think about solid state. You think about EVs. You think about all of these things. A lot of these companies, a sort of watershed moment is having been in business for ten years. You need yeah. to have been at it for ten years. Then you've learned a little bit. If you look at the guys sort of on cutting edge on statements on solid state or anode or on EVs or whatever, they've been banging away at it for ten years. I think it's very difficult to come pitch up out of nowhere and start making bold statements under that sort of time frame. If you think mm -hmm. about how much, how much people have learned, and as I said, you know, you know, LG we consider a, a very, a, very much a tier one company, and they've had this recall now yeah. with Hyundai. So you know, everyone's pointing acrimonious fingers at who did what, and is it the cell? Is it the raw materials? Is it the is it something else in the battery management system? You know, what's to blame? So they've got a lot to iron out before they just take 10% EV market share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, a friend who works, he's a mid-level manager at um, the LG Chem factory in Wrocław, Poland. And uh, every time I met with him about it, there were stories of, you know, huge challenges, fires, different like things, you know, slowing down production, just the, the, the daily challenge of, of getting, of scaling up. Uh, and just, and uh, just on that note. So when, when uh, CATL, which remember we had this conversation about when Tesla picked LG for its 811 cells in China, not CTA, CTL, CTL, CATL, who does the LFP. Um, uh -huh. Apparently, when, when uh, CATL was um, ramping up its 811 cells, they had like a 50% scrappage. Hmm. And we're still, yeah. I'm still 
fires. I saw uh, there was a fire. Moneyball had a tweet of a fire on, I don't know if it was an Xpeng or Liangxi or whatever it is in, in China. So it isn't straightforward. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough chem- that, that Those higher chemistries get tough. Well, I, I've, you, I'm happy to, to get a check from you. You have so, so much of a better view of the battery market that it's, it's always reassuring when your opinion matches up with mine and just to get new <laughs> insights and, and new topics to think about. So it's been a fascinating conversation. I have to go through again to, to make sure I remember and catch some things. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about the market, about any, any topics in the market that you're... So- the one thing we spoke about was was Tesla and what the sales would be. So a little disappointing that the model, um, the Cybertruck and the Semi are kind of being punted to 2022. But mm-hmm. if you look at the ramp of the Model Y versus this year versus the ramp of the Model 3 last year, they seem to be following a very similar pattern. So, you know, there were some bearish calls out in the market, but I think that if you look at it, 175,000 to 200,000 Model Ys could be sold in China this year. And I think it's, it's that Tesla's on track to sell about 400 to 450,000 EVs in China this year. And, and uh, we'll have to see with the new uh, Model S and Model X revamps, but I think they're going to exceed. So I, I, yeah, I did have. I did what's have your a, forecast? So 400 to 450,000 in China for this year. And then um, it is a little bit disappointing, you know, Berlin likely to have not much Model Y out this year. So I still think they're headed on track for 900,000 for the year hmm. globally. That's, uh, and then 2022, do you have that? Uh... Oh, now you, so I think <laughs> if, they, if, they, if they can get enough raw materials and cell supply, then... I don't know that coming off that higher base, they can do, um, you know, aggressively, you know, like well above the 50% level. But I think um, you, you could probably see in the order of uh, a 50% to, say, 65% growth next year. Mm-hmm. I think Man, if they release your... the cyber, it's going to be a hit, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's going to sell yeah. really well. It's definitely... It has the potential to be a, a viral cultural uh, bomb like the Volkswagen Beetle or something like that, uh, or the Volkswagen bus. Yeah, or the buzz. The, yeah I mean, I love yeah. that buzz. I mean, that's, yeah. a great, uh, that's a great car. Yeah, we just, we're just a little upset that it's been 10 years of marketing images. <laughs> but it's a sim- <laughs> similar deal. I, I mean, yeah, it's a similar story. But yeah, there's a lot of enthusiasm for that. I talked to the one of their production executives about forecasting that and you know a couple of years ago in in a conference in europe and i was just expressing how enthusiastic people were how excited people were about it and he said yeah but how many do you think it would actually sell and i was like well i don't know and it's like that's that's our challenge is it's a unique vehicle there's it's not like you can't forecast it so easily because it's not like just another suv or car so they can see a lot of enthusiasm for it, but they're also not really sure. I mean, this was a couple of years ago. Well, but... it's easy. Commit to a start date and put up the orders. And then <laughs> Start you'll find producing it. Exactly. Like, I mean, I, th- I think, I mean, if you look at the pricing in the US, I mean, it's very well priced. It's, and it's just a different, it's like the Cybertruck. It just got a kind of 
image and style that is gonna i think the marquee sort of to, i'm old enough to have been in the in the original one when i was uh when I was young, those were very popular. Well, we have a, a writer, Steve Hanley, who I think really, really wants this vehicle. Him and his wife, they're, they're in uh, they're seven. Well, he, he's above 70. I'm not sure, but, but I think as well. <laughs> not but the, That's not me, but yes. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, but they're super enthusiastic. This is the vehicle they would buy if they could get it's it. It's iconic. Yeah, but they brought, you know, someone brought up in the discussion then that even though he wasn't, alive at that time it's it has that appeal that nostalgia for for him as well and i have the same thing like i wasn't alive at that time but i it's got a nostalgic appeal that like makes you just want to be in it and i don't know it's it's strange because i have no direct connection to that kind of but it's but i feel like i do you know and i think a lot of people are like that it's just it's just so representative of an era or something i but, think they um, will sell at the price points that they were talking about and again like you say get on with the production hopefully they actually deliver it on the price that they're talking about. I mean, if you take the indicative pricing that they've shown and take 10,000 of those things, I think it's a great car. Yeah, and plenty of people who had the original when they were young have enough money to spend on it. So, uh, <laughs> and so last thing, just on the, the Tesla battery mining and production plans, do you, do you think a lot of what they presented is, is really on target to be realized? Do you see... Do you think it was overly ambitious and idealistic, or are we all, talking or? about clay, or what are we talking about? Now? Well, both the clay and the and the cathode production, the the sort of the whole kind of new realm of things that they they are expanding into. So, I mean, on on the face of it, you know, we had the, you know, conceptually on first principles, what he's saying is possible. It just, I, I'm not sure. You know, it depends, you know, where the lithium sits within the clay. It's complicated, but they've got a big team on it, I understand. Um, I've heard via channels. Um, but again, it's not going to be overnight. It's going to take some time. I think the hard rock to hydroxide is a definite route. And if anyone's smart enough to figure that out, I think it's Tesla for sure. And they, they, they can access skills that exist. The clay is a conceptual thing. There is no mass production of lithium out of clay you've got projects on the on the pipeline and it would be good to see them succeed but it's conceptual hard rock to hydroxide is factual it's done and i think that they can scale that um but as an overall view you know i have a view and in, in, in lithium like all mining everything takes longer to build on time on budget and then ramp up but you know, Elon Musk, I don't know, I wouldn't want to bet against Elon Musk and his team and look at the talent that he attracts. So um, we shall see. But in the end, and, I, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, a couple of things. The one is, if it's, on, if it's on federal land, which is Nevada, then you have to go the process that everyone else does. There is no special, I just duck around it. You have to go through the environmental impact assessment. You have to get approvals and you know before you know it you might have people in tents camping outside your site so mm -hmm. there's no way around that um and uh, so that is is uh, is something to consider you, you you can't duck around that but i think elon's on the right track in that he doesn't want to just rely on the industry to to build that production he wants to take the bull by the horns because he's got some serious ambitions and yeah. uh, and that that's good and we've seen that with so many things where uh, that's a really uplifting thing we've seen them succeed with that several times and yeah i mean it's one of the funniest 
the comments just to end on that battery day was, I mean, he sort of saw Tesla as a failure if it didn't get to a much higher, like, like his, you know, his goal of accelerating the EV adoption was it's happening, but it's not at the scale that's needed. And, you know, his, his goal of 20 million vehicles a year in 2030 is just looking at the ch- what's needed sort of. Uh, so it was an interesting kind of, uh, yeah. Sort what, of, what, I, uh, what I like about, what I love about Tesla is the um, fail forward culture. It's a growth culture. Failure is not seeing as the end of the road. It's like everyone made a huge meal about production hell and under the tarpaulin and he's failed and all the rest. Now he's got a massive world's biggest casting machine and he's now doing his thing. So what I like about it isn't this sort of culture of feeling the fear of failure. Failure, it, in my mind, is the key ingredient to success. Yeah. If you don't fail, you don't grow. And, and Tesla sees that. So if you if you if you're failing you might be if you're not failing you might be settling too easily and too early yeah i and love i love that. They do is, that that's a west coast culture it's a it's a it's not a german culture it's not an other way you know it's got to be perfect it's got to be right why is this wrong oh my god this hasn't worked out tesla says right as they say the definition of an expert is someone who works within a very small field and has made every mistake possible yeah, I was going to say when, you know, you sort of hear that kind of statement from everyone from Michael Jordan to Novak Djokovic to to Elon Musk. It's like the people who achieve the most are the most willing to fail and most eager to get up after they failed. <laughs> so it's like and a, learn. And, and that's key. It's, it's how you deal with failure. Failure on its own can be devastating. It's saying that's fantastic. What did I learn from it? And Tesla seems to do that incredibly. And that's why I say Look at the casting machine. Look at all the things that they're doing. It's, it's a yeah. case of embracing learning and, and going the risk, forward. And yeah, being enthusiastic about the risk of failure rather than uh, too scared to do something. Uh, well, thank you so much. We should talk about failure as a whole topic. of, a, of a, That would be great. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll try to get this published soon. Check back in with you before in a quicker time frame <laughs> quicker than the last gap I, I was actually shocked to find out we hadn't talked after tesla battery day but yeah thank you so much appreciate the rest of your evening there in south africa thanks very much for having me on zach good to chat again thank you for listening to clean tech talk join us next time to get your electric fix If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.